welcome to Stupendosaurus Rex. I am your host, Jason Danger. Uh, and I am your host, Jeremy Bryan. And uh, we're going to be talking at you about some movies today. We got a uh, Die Hard. Nine, 88? Yeah, 88. And then uh, A Christmas Story from 1983. So we had a, a two-week break here. Uh, you, you do anything special? I did do something special. One of the Servo Toilet 9000s ran over my foot, <laughs> fucked up my big toe, so I've been limping around on that for a while. Um, but, I mean, you already know that because you were there when it happened and you laughed. <laughs> Very supportive of me and my pain, so I appreciate that. Um, what else did I do? I'd look, I I watched a lot of schlocky films. I think I found my schlock film. Like I mean, like because I've been looking for one for the show. Mm-hmm. I think I found it. We're not going to get to it for a bit, but I think I found it. It may, it may in it may end the podcast. It's that good. Oh, so so look forward to the end of the podcast then. Yeah, All right. uh, it'll be it'll be maybe a month or so away before we have to worry about that. But it could be coming down the road. So fun. Yeah, I'm real excited about that. Like, I'm actually, I'm literally giddy about that. Um, I don't think I did anything real spectacular though, uh, besides being wounded. Yeah, I finished a book, but it's not really worth talking about because it's a political book. Nobody really wants to talk about politics, but it was a good book. So if you read a political book, it might be the one that I read and it might be pretty good. So, um, and I think that might be it. I mean, I feel like I should have done more stuff so I could be a more interesting person for our podcast, but yeah. I don't really want to. So take that. Well, I normally, well, I normally feel like I, I do more stuff except, uh, the last, Honestly, a couple months, I feel like I haven't been doing a whole lot of anything, but this last two weeks, though, full on, uh, finally jumped on the shutter bandwagon and I finally started binge watching, uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah. The last driving. Yeah. And, uh, made it through all of those. I do have to say, uh, there was a couple in there. I swear to God, I had seen before and then while I was watching them, I was like, I've never seen this before. Nice. Uh, the two that come to mind are Reanimator. You've never seen Reanimator before? I, I had never seen Reanimator before. Oh, motherfucker. It was on my list, too. Oh, yeah. No, I I had never seen it before. But, that would have been, uh, that it, been great to introduce you to that. It could, it, could still, <laughs> it could still be a thing. There are things mm-hmm. I would like to say about it now that I've seen it. But, right. but uh, yeah. And then Hellraiser. I honestly thought I had seen Hellraiser and maybe it's just because it's been so saturated in, in the, the horror, in the horror mm-hmm. culture, you know, and I've seen clips, of course, but I guess I had never seen it. I feel like I've seen other ones, <laughs> but I, I so, don't know. I'm so starting you to question. Seen any is what you're saying. I'm, I'm starting to question myself now. <laughs> I, I don't know anymore. Interesting. I don't know if I've ever seen anything now. <laughs> like, well, what have I watched? Clearly, the Hellraiser films didn't make much of an impact on you, so might as well have not watched them. It's crazy. I mean, I love Clive Barker. I've, I've read several of his books, and yeah, but uh, yeah, I could have sworn I had seen Hellraiser, and 
and uh, and and Reanimator. I mean, I, I I think Reanimator was one of those that we would always walk by in the. Do you remember video stores? I vaguely remember video yeah, stores. Yeah. That was a long, long time yeah. ago. Well, we we'd walk by sometimes browsing in the video stores and see the cover for Reanimator, and I always thought we had already seen that like i've seen that skip past it i don't know even oh. yeah so i i think we just never that never ended up watching it but uh i mean this might come a sacrilege to some people but um like evil dead 2 is like a 10 and reanimator is an 11 oh for me I, I like that's one of those movies that I just grew up with. Like, I and and I apparently didn't, but wow. uh, but it was awesome. Mm-hmm. That that was that was a really good. That was probably one of my more favorite uh, drive-in yeah. episodes. But yeah, so I binge watched the whole the the one from this summer, right? You know his twenty-four uh, hour binge. Got through that and then uh, went and did the. After I was done with that, I wanted more. So then I went and watched the Thanksgiving episode as well. So dinners of death. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. it was. Uh, it was pretty good times. Yeah, he's doing. Um, he's doing a Christmas one. I heard. I on yeah. Twenty first is when that's going to come out. Yeah. So. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I heard something about a Christmas yeah. one, so I will look forward to that. The Mystery Science Theater, the new Mystery Science Theater uh, season, is pretty good too. Like I think. The only um, movie in that season that was hard to get through was the, the Atlantic Rim movie. Yeah, yeah, that was rough. They need they need to not do any more Asylum films. That, films the, that, yeah, that bad. one sh- that one shouldn't even be counted as a movie. Yeah. Honestly, it was it was. Yeah, I actually and in, in, I enjoyed the Mac and Me yeah. episode, except then it. If you would have asked me before I watched that, I would have said, oh, yeah, no, Mac and Me was cute. And then yeah. now watching it again, because I haven't seen it since I was a kid, yeah. you know, and yeah. now watching it again and then with the jokes and stuff also. But even just it, it, if it didn't have the jokes, I probably would have had to stop watching it this time around because it wasn't good. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible it movie. <laughs> it wasn't cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it was it was just yeah. yeah that that's a movie that feels like somebody did on a dare <laughs> to a point i i almost might have to agree with the uh uh with uh jonah and the boys though as far as it, it felt like maybe coca-cola wanted their own et yeah so they gave someone money to make an et for them and you get Mac and me. Yeah. yeah. I think it feels like it might have been McDonald's that wanted the... Because um, the character's name is Mac. I don't know if they were eating McDonald's the whole show, maybe, but... Well, they, they, they actually went to a McDonald's to have a birthday party and a dance sequence on their counter, and Ronald oh, McDonald yeah. was hanging out there. And uh, yeah. Ronald Mc, or, uh, McDonald's and... Well, Coke and Coke and McDonald's are very, yeah. very yeah, tight, too. I think they're buddy-buddy, so... Buddy, buddy, so. Yeah. Also, Coca-Cola has owned a great, great amount of uh, 
Coke is owned by Mormons. Probably. Which is weird because they don't drink Coke. Doesn't mean they can't make money off of it. Yeah, that's true. So, and I don't know if that's racist or not. But anyway. <laughs> so. So. We have some movies. Yeah, we do. You want to talk about them? Yeah, you go first, right? I do. All right, what's your movie? My movie's Die Hard. Um, not really sure how much we need to really talk about the movie, though. Because it's one of those movies where pretty much everybody's seen it, and pretty much everything you can say about the movie has been said. Hmm. Like, it's just kind of... I'm, it's one of those films that, like, feels like a touchstone for our generation, and I'm not sure how well it plays with new generations. Because there's some stuff in that film that's very, like, quaint now. You're referring to the 80s big hair? Well, yeah, there's the 80s big hair, but the, there's, like, the, the scene when Bruce Willis first comes into Nakatomi Plaza and he has to use the touchpad. Oh, yeah. To find his wife. And he's like, cute toy or whatever. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things like you can't really, you can't blame the movie for not knowing what technology was coming down the pipe. But looking back at it nowadays, it really feels like you're a dumbass John McClane. You know what I mean? And and that was like, for the movie, that was like pushing the technological whatever. Yeah. They, want, they wanted to show this place as like super high tech, whatever. For the story, it was fucking an asshole security guard is what it was. Yeah. Because he knew the building was empty. He knew the only people were in, the, in the building yeah. were in the fucking party up there. He could have just Good said, point. if you're fucking, if your wife is here, she's up at the party on this floor. Like, he didn't have to make this dude punch anyone's name into anything, but, you know, there, there was the whole discovering that his wife is using her maiden name and stuff like yeah. that. However, he still could have had that realization when he went upstairs and saw the placard on her office, too. So, and that would have been a little feels, bit more fresh. Feels like Jason found a plot hole. I did. All of the plot holes. Good. So I, um, let's see. Well, okay, before we go too far into that, we okay. should, we should state Die Hard was directed by John McTiernan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has directed stuff like The Predator, Hunt for Red October, Last Action Hero, Die Hard with a Vengeance, which was the third one in the series. He wound up running into legal trouble in uh, 2003, and that pretty much, he spent about 10 years wrapped up in the legal system, and that pretty much derailed his entire career, and he hasn't really made anything since then. Um, what was the legal trouble? He paid a private investigator to illegally wiretap a couple of people. Oh. Yeah. And anybody we know? His ex-wife and the producer on his last movie. Oh. Because he thought that people were doing shit behind his back, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah. A lot of the stuff that I read about it, he kind of comes off as like a like a privileged douche, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks because he made really good movies in the you know latter part of the '80s and early part of the '90s. But yeah, they can do. Um, anyway, it stars Bruce Willis as John McClane, obviously. Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber, obviously. Uh, good note: this was um, Alan Rickman's very first uh, feature film. Oh, uh, aged forty-one. When he got into acting, well, when he got into movie acting, he did a lot of stage. Yeah, work he was a then. huge stage actor before yeah. that. And in fact, I think it was the producer and John McTiernan 
that saw him in a play and went, that's our Hans Gruber. So Bonnie Bedelia played Holly. Uh, she got the role because Bruce Willis saw her in a film, which I don't remember which one, and he really liked her in it and recommended her. Um, Reginald Vell Johnson played Al, the kind of bumbling cop. Uh, cop. Kind of not bumbling. The cop that didn't want to kill people because he shot a kid. Is that uh, Carl Winslow? Yes, Carl yes. Winslow. And I'm pretty sure that the kid that he shot, because I think that this movie takes place after after Family Matters, I think you're right. and I think the kid that he shot was Urkel. Uh, Urkel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So obviously, I think he caught Urkel uh, spying on his daughter and uh, blasted the shit out of that kid. Mm-hmm. Um. William Atherton played the exact same character that he played in Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He played the, uh, in this movie, he, he was a reporter in Ghostbusters. He was the EPA guy. But he was still a peck. But he was still a peck, yeah. He was still, he was still dickless. Um, and then Hart Bachner uh, played Ellis. He is the uh, the guy who thought that he could talk. Um, he's the oh, co- coke snorting dude. The, the, he could, yeah, the... Whatever wannabe he he was a douche. Yes, that's, that's what he was. He was the deal maker. He was the Donald Trump of the um, of the building. Um, that guy has kind of an interesting career that actually started way earlier than I thought. Like I think he started acting the year I was born. Was he in porn? No, I don't okay. think so. Um, I actually I'm pretty sure he wasn't. Um, but he had like I think he was like the lead love interest in the Supergirl movie back in the eighties, like. Okay. Yeah, he's had like it feels like he was like, um, like preened to be like a, a leading man, mm-hmm. and it just never happened for him. And I think this movie is probably what killed that trajectory for his career, because, because he, he was up, a douche. Because he wound up playing the douche so well that people just see him as that character now, and nobody wants that guy to be your leading your leading man. I could be way off base about that, but it it just kind of feels like that's a yeah. possibility that. 11 years after his career started, it gets derailed by Die Hard. Like, Die Hard may have been the worst thing that ever happened to this guy. Which is sad, because Die Hard is such an awesome movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was based on a novel uh, called Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. Uh, Clint Eastwood originally owned the rights to the, to the novel and was going to star in the film in the early 80s. Oh. Didn't happen. I don't know why, but... So they've been trying to get this movie made for most of the 80s, I guess. Uh, should mention uh, Bruce Willis in case you don't know who he is. Um, he was pretty big. I have no idea. He was pretty big. Uh, also on on TV shows, he he played in Moonlighting. Yeah. So this is the thing, though. Like this was this was kind of the movie that made Bruce Willis's career. Like he was popular in Moonlighting, but like that was all he was really known for at that yeah. point in time. Yeah. And Bruce Willis didn't like. I don't think he really wanted to be an actor. His first love was his blues band. Like he wanted to be a musician, yeah. and he couldn't get that really off the ground. Like he couldn't get a steady income from that. And acting sort of filled in the income that he needed, but it wound up like taking over his career. Yeah. And I kind of think like you know when you watch like the the sort of lesser Bruce Willer Bruce Willer Bruce Willis movies where he just kind of looks like he's phoning it in. I kind of feel like a lot of that comes from there was one. I, I think would be considered a lesser Bruce Willis film that I actually liked quite a bit. And I, I was going to look it up, but I'm going to see if you know what it is. Um, might. It's... Because uh, I think I'm going to mention it, but... The, the, the spy one. 
spy one. There's a whole bunch of spies. They're they're like Oh, are you talking about Red, the old people? Nope. Okay. Younger. Yeah, way back. It's it's an eighties film still. Okay. Uh him and an old guy, he's a cat burglar. Yeah, I don't remember there being spies in this one, but it's he keeps time with the by the music. Blues music. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's the it's the movie that he did immediately after yeah. this one. And all of the spies in it were named after candy bars. Okay. They, I don't remember that. But because I only watched that film once and it was because it was not a good movie. I've watched it like Yes, I know. A it's million not times. a good movie. I like it. And the vast majority of the world agrees with me because that movie bombed in the theaters. And this is I'm, I was going to bring this movie up specifically because of this. I think that that movie was kind of like after Die Hard became such a huge hit. Right. I think that movie was a give for Bruce Willis. That was the movie that Bruce Willis wanted. That was like a passion project for him. Mm-hmm. It's called Hudson Hawk. Mm-hmm. And it's because he gets to be kind of a bluesy yep. sort of a noir cat burglary sort of guy in the movie. The old man you're thinking of is Danny Aiello. Yeah. Um, that movie fucking just face planted in the theaters. And I feel like that was a huge slap in the face to Bruce Willis. He looked like he enjoyed himself yes. in that movie. I think though. those were the movies that Bruce Willis wanted to be making. Yeah. And nobody wanted his music and nobody wanted his goofy movies like that. Well, if you're listening, Bruce Willis, I really liked Hudson Hawk. And I have probably seen it like 12, 20, I don't even, I don't know how many times, but I would like to swing on a star, carry moonbeams home in a jar. Yes, folks, this is the Jason Sings part of the, if you want to hire Jason, just contact (laughs) us at stupendosaurusrex at (laughs) gmail.com. He'll send you all the info you need to. The first first time I think I heard that song uh, was... Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello singing that song, and then and then I went back and listened to the originals. But I don't know. I I fucking love that movie. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And what what, what was uh, uh Sarah Bernhardt was Sandra the, Sandra Bernhardt maybe was the main. Like I said, I saw this movie once yeah. a long time ago, so I don't remember a whole lot about yeah. it. Sandra Bernhardt was in it too, okay. and and. She was such a bitch in the movie. <laughs> I think she gets roles like that. I think that's the, she, she, what she does well. She was so good. She was so good. <laughs> I also have a note uh says, John McClane, America's answer to 007 question mark? No. No? Does America have an answer to 007 then? Yeah, um, Ethan Hunt. Um, oh, yeah, all right. The thing with John McClane is in the original script, he was supposed to be a super cop. And um, John McTiernan decided, no, uh, I don't like that. I want a, sh- uh, a regular every man, like a schlubby every man sort of a guy. Which comes to my next point. Some interesting stuff here. So there were a shit ton of people who were considered for this role and a shit ton that were offered the role and turned it down. But there are two that I want to focus on because they're really interesting. Bruce Willis got this role because the person who immediately turned it down before him was Robert De Niro. Yeah. So, like, put that in your head for a second. Okay. Die Hard with Robert De Niro, okay? hmm Alan Rickman got the, the role of Hans Gruber because Sam Neill turned the role down. Oh. So now imagine Sam Neill. Sam Neill. In the role of Hans Gruber. So you have Robert De Niro versus Sam Neill. In Nakatomi Plaza. Could have been good. 
Maybe. I'm not sure. But it wouldn't have been the same movie. No, definitely wouldn't be the same movie. But like, I mean, like just think of like Robert De Niro's inflections, like the way that he talks. Yeah. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> I can't. It's so hard to all put think, him. All I'm thinking of now is Al Pacino for some reason. No. <laughs> Although Al Pacino was offered the role. Was he? Yep. He was another all right. one. All right. Um, but here's the real, this is the one that I really want to mention. So this is a bit roundabout, but in 1963, I think I could be wrong about that date. I haven't seen this movie, so I, I, I am not a hundred percent sure. Um, Frank Sinatra starred in a movie called The Detective, which was also based on a book by Roderick Thorpe. The Detective is the book that comes right before Nothing Lasts Forever. Nothing Lasts Forever is the sequel to The Detective. Because it's the sequel to The Detective and because Frank Sinatra starred in The De- Detective, he has a clause that he gets first offer to star in the sequel to the movie. So they had to offer the role of John McClane to, to Sinatra, Frank Sinatra. Even though he was like 80 or something at the time. At the age of 73, he right. he declined to pick up the role again. Probably a good but idea. he could have been John, John McClane in Die Hard. <laughs> so imagine nothing else has changed. It's just Frank Sinatra versus Alan Rickman now. <laughs> I, fe- I feel like Sinatra might have died. And yeah, he might have. I mean, you know, they're stuntmen to do all of the... But it, it fundamentally becomes a very different film at that point. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So. Um, oh, Al- Alan Rickman also, uh, for those of you who don't know, also, uh, well, he's dead now, which is right. sad. But he was Snape in Harry Potter. Yeah. And uh, honestly contributed a lot to making those movies what they are i mean his i guess fucking amazing i know I, you probably didn't see them but I, yeah, i've never watched any of them so. I, I read all the books i i saw the movies um and i've always loved alan rickman and i want to give a special shout out to alan rickman's 2001 movie called blow dry it is not a movie I would have ever imagined him in, but I saw it in probably 2002. Just ran across it randomly somehow. He plays a barber. He plays a down and out sort of barber who used to be a superstar hairdresser. And then his friends convince him to get back into the competitive hairdressing, whatever stuff. And it is actually a really, a really good and really touching movie. And, uh, Again, Alan Rickman makes that movie, too. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like the younger generation knows Alan Rickman basically as, as, as Snape. Snape. yeah. But I think for our generation, he's Hans Gerber. I think that's yeah. kind of the... Yeah, but I, I, I ran across... The only reason I picked up that uh, movie, Blow Drive, was because Alan Rickman was in it. Because Hans, right. Hans Gruber was in this movie, and I'm like, how have I never heard of this? You know, he's such a big name, and... I, well, I, for me, anyway, he was a big name for me. But. Yeah, but he he did a lot of small films in yeah. um, Britain. In Britain, yeah. like after after and that and this was there. one of them. Yeah, and this was one of them. But it it just ended up being good. And this actually uh, reinvigorated an interest in more British film mm-hmm. for me as well. So I uh, during that I I think during the same time I, I saw Train Spotting. I saw. 
I don't know what else, but I, I saw, you know, uh, snatch lock, stock and two smoking oh, yeah, yeah, barrels, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. All that good stuff. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, this one just happened to come on the radar around that same time. And I actually really enjoyed it. It was a, a cute movie. Anyway, uh, I wrote a small synopsis for the film die hard. A father and New York cop flies to California to spend Christmas with his family. Some of Santa's mischievous helpers ruin the return, and now John has to fight to save Christmas. A limo driver named Argyle and Carl Winslow join in the festive fun. I say, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. Um, if Bruce Willis was listening, he's not listening anymore. <laughs> he's done. Which is too bad, because there is, like, while I was thinking, because, well, I, I mean, like, I feel like I have a bone to pick with Bruce Willis. During his roast on Comedy Central not too long ago is when he made the statement that Die Hard is not a Christmas film. It's possible that he made that in jest. I didn't watch it, so I don't know. I didn't see it. But everybody else picked it up like it was a thing that he just said, this is the thing. It's not a Christmas movie. And so I have a, a bit of a bone to pick. And I this is the thing. Like, I don't know why it's important to me, because if you're not Bruce Willis... What he says shouldn't matter to you, yeah. really. You know, he's a he's a he's a celebrity. He's got his own opinions. If he doesn't watch the film during the holiday season, and I could understand that he wouldn't, because a lot of people don't like to watch themselves. My understanding, at least, don't like to watch themselves while they're watch their own movies and stuff. Ever, especially so, during the holidays, but ever. He may have totally forgotten how Christmassy this film is. But I, I was, I started thinking about this in a, in kind of like a, like in the sense that I wanted to come up with something to end this on, that sort of that Bruce Willis, if he ever heard, could go, you know, I never really thought about it that way. Like, yeah, I guess it really is a Christmas film, and, and I, I couldn't anyway. But uh, what I did come up with was the three uh, important things that Bruce Willis should understand. About this film. Uh, one, it begins uh, with Run DMC's Christmas in Hollis. Uh, it ends with Let It Snow. And it takes place during a Christmas party. It's a fucking Christmas film, dude. Yep. And that's all I got about this film. I fully support that. All right. A Christmas Story. Which you've written a book about? 1983. I wrote a little book of notes. Okay. Uh... Uh, basically takes place in the 1940s. Ralphie tries to convince any adult he thinks may have sway that he should get a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. Basically the whole premise for the movie. This kid wants a BB gun. This movie is also based on a book. This movie was also based on a book. Uh, this movie was directed by Bob Clark. Did you delve into Bob Clark I, at all? I did a little bit. Uh, Bob Clark directed... All of the Porkies. Mm, he directed two of them. Oh, two. Okay, he directed two of the Porkies. He also directed Baby Geniuses. Yeah. He directed the movies immediately preceding A Christmas Story were Porkies 1 and 2 that he directed. Yeah. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, he also, he, him and his son died in 2007 when a drunk driver hit them. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Um it was based on a book by Jean Shepard, who... He does the 
voiceover, right? He also does the voiceover. Um, the the book he wrote was called "In God We Trust." All others pay cash. Yep. Uh, he also huge radio uh, personality. Like he was he was doing radio commentary for years and years before this and after, from what I can tell. Um, also chapters from in god we trust all others pay cash ended up in playboy one of one of the episodes some people claim it was the book some people claim it was the playboy article whatever that got turned to the movie it was the book the article that a lot of people allude to red rider nails the hammond kid or red red rider nails the cleveland street kid that was just a chapter from his overall book but They were in Playboy, and he continued to write articles, uh, little short stories for Playboy for years. Issues of Playboy from 1964 all the way through 1981. That's almost 20 years of writing articles for Playboy. If you say that you buy Playboy to read the articles, then maybe you might be right. I don't know. No, you're, you're lying. Okay. I do want to backtrack a bit and talk about Bob Clark just a little bit, specifically his his videography, his his directing credits, because he's got some good ones in there that you would not expect from the guy who directed A Christmas Story. Yeah. His very first film that he directed was called She-Man. And by the way, I want to point I out... Didn't look, I didn't look up She-Man. I saw that, and I was scared, actually, to follow the... Yeah. This is not... A Christmas Story is not the first film that he directed that has the word story in it. That would be She-Man, A Story of Fixation, which the literal synopsis for is a soldier is forced to take estrogen and wear lingerie when he is blackmailed by a violent transvestite. And it is listed as a comedy drama. That was in 1967. Wow. Yes. Uh, it is also not the first movie that he directed with the word Christmas in the title. That would be Black Christmas in 1974, which is widely regarded as the first slasher film. I've seen Black Christmas. Yeah. Uh, before that, though, he did uh, also direct another little horror classic called Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. That was in 1972. We already talked about Porky's and Porky's 2. The movie that he directed immediately after A Christmas Story was Rhinestone with Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton. Like a rhinestone. Yep. That is that movie. So he's had an interesting, and like you said earlier, baby Jesus, or not baby Jesus, baby geniuses. Which, honestly, I mean, for the time that baby geniuses came out, it was actually pretty well done. Yes, I, I mean, mean it, he, he seems to do well with anything that he directs. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it was it was really well done. Well, I never saw She-Man, so I don't know about it that. Was, yeah, I, I never saw She-Man. Yeah, I, I actually forgot. I, I thought about following that link, and then I forgot about it. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, back to uh, Jean Shepard. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, famous for the quote, I don't make the news, I just report it. That's actually his quote. Interesting. 
So I mean, it was a quote like we've all heard right. other people use for years and years. He was the originator of that quote. So, do you know under what circumstances? I don't. All right. Well, so it wasn't important anyway. So yeah, next, that's right. Uh, the old man was played by Darren McGavin. Yep, he's a pretty uh, famous character actor. He died in two thousand six. Yeah. Uh, apparently his acting credits spanned to 2008, though, because of, you know, Hollywood yeah, editing stuff and all that. Yeah, stuff that hadn't been released yet, yeah. Uh, he's been, yeah, he's been in tons of stuff, character actor. He was in a lot of Hitchcock stuff, Rawhide, Gunsmoke, Man from Uncle, the original 1968 yeah. uh, uh, series Mission Impossible. Um, yeah, he's been around for a long, well, he was around time. for a long time. Yeah. He was also in Kolchak the Night Stalker. Yep. Uh, he was the main character. He played he, Kolchak. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was Kolchak. He was the. He was. He was also uh, the voice in the Gargoyles episode, The Silver Falcon. Okay. Um, he's also in Murphy Brown. Yeah, he was. And he was the dad in Billy Madison. I yeah I get he was, yeah I don't remember I can't I, I he was Billy Madison's very dad. About Billy I Madison. I I didn't know I I think I I recognized Billy Madison's dad as someone I knew but I didn't put two and two together at all I mean I've seen a Christmas story I mean yeah I'm like how old and then plus they stream it every. You know, it's yeah, played every Christmas. TBS I mean, does a 24-hour marathon every Christmas. Yeah, of, yeah. Of just so, so if I just watched the marathon for 24 hours and then times that by how old I am, I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie probably over a hundred times. Well, Easy. Times it by how old the movie is. You predate the movie. Oh, ouch! I predate the movie. Quit with the Too ouch soon. thing. Too soon, sir. Uh, all right. Whatever. Anyway, but. Uh, but yeah, Darren, Darren McGavin uh, honestly made this movie. Originally offered or uh, considering the movie though uh, was um, Jack Nicholson. It must, I don't think it must have been it must have been his his turn in The Shining that convinced him that he needed to play well, dad again. They they had such a small budget that they couldn't afford him at the time either. So, right. and honestly, I would have to say thanks for that because I love Jack Nicholson. But Darren McGavin made that role what it was. Sure. You know. But I mean, like, I would love to see him play Jack Torrance again, only in A Christmas Story. <laughs> he slowly goes mad. And that, that scene with him trying to repair the fucking the leg yeah. is is the, the final straw. And then after that, it's axes chasing him through the fucking snow. <laughs> <laughs> Not a finger! A Christmas, a Christmas Story ends... The same way that fucking The Shining does with Jack Torrance frozen in a fucking snowbank. (laughs) And then Ralphie grows up to be John McClane. You used all the glue on purpose. Yep. Yep. Uh, The mom was played by Melinda Dillon. Yeah, she was. Also has been in a lot of stuff and also seems to be a character actor specifically to play mothers. Yep. Uh, she was the mom from Close Encounters yep. of the Third Kind in 77. Um, she was in some other stuff, uh, Prince of Tides. Uh, my favorite, my two favorite movie roles that I found out she was in 
the Muppet movie, which we already did. Which who did you play in the Muppet movie? She was the balloon lady. She was. Oh. She's the one that Gonzo bought the balloons from. All right. Yeah. And then in 1990s Captain America. Yep. She, she played was, Mrs. Rogers. She was a mom in that one. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the scene of him and her staring at each other in the fucking <laughs> in the fucking kitchen without saying a word. Yeah. Yep. So the, the, those were those were two nice little throwbacks. I Another was like, interesting little trivia point about that fucking Captain America movie: the guy who played Captain America in that movie was the son of J.D. Salinger, the guy who wrote Catcher in the Rye. Oh, yeah, I can't remember his name. Obviously, something, something Salinger. Salinger, but yeah. And then he fell off the face of the earth just like his dad. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> probably, probably we're all better for it. Probably. I wonder if I should write that movie down. <laughs> it's a good schlock film. Flick. One of Ralphie's friends. Yep. Flick was played by Scott Schwarz. That sounds familiar. Uh, he also goes by Scotty Schwartz. Um, in the early 80s, his movies were mostly like he he was playing a kid. He was right. a Christmas story. He was in the toy with um Robin Williams. Oh yeah. no, no. Um, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. Was he the kid in that one? Yep. Interesting. He was also in a movie called Kid Co. that I don't think I saw. I did see the toy though. Richard Pryor's yeah. fucking awesome. So that had Jackie Gleason in it too, right? Yeah. The dad. Yeah. yeah. Uh that was and then and then he did a bunch of eight, uh, TV series in the mid eighties. I could Makes list sense. them all, but it was basically every single TV series you could name from sure. the eighties. Yeah. He did a bit bit parts in all of them. So uh, the nineties, the nineties is when it starts showing up as uh, video, and then if you delve deeper into the video stuff, uh, it turns out they were all porn. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Nice dude, pivot. Dude 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 went from child actor to porn actor. Sometimes that's what you gotta do. All through the nineties. Um Yeah, his his last his last real movie was called Fear in the eight in eighty eight. And then it was just porn all through the nineties. Fear in eighty eight. Yeah, I I didn't look into that. I don't know what it is, but I think well, I think Fear in nineteen ninety Maybe 91 was the one with Alyssa Milano and Mark Wahlberg. Hmm. I think Fear in 88 might have been the one with the wooden puppet, but I don't, I'm not 100% sure on that one. I could have those mixed up, but I think I should look into that. Actually, yeah, if it is the one that I'm thinking of, I should actually put that on my list. That was actually a pretty good film. All right. Uh, 2004, he attempts to go mainstream again. That's uh, always rough after you've with, done porn. With something else. Uh, he does have a new movie coming out in 2019 called The Bend. Okay. So I might I might actually be able to check it out that Maybe. out. Because, you know, because I, I, always, I, always, I always love a good flick. <laughs> see what I did there? I did. I did. For those of you who didn't see it, the character's name was Flick uh-huh. in, the, in, the, uh-huh. in the movie. Uh-huh. And then Jason said he, li- he likes a good flick. Meaning that he likes to watch him in porn. Oh. Okay. Um, Burned! So the the flagpole thing, how they did the flagpole with the tongue stuck to it. They, they super loot his they, tongue to a pole. No. They 
they cut a hole in the flagpole and then they stuck a vacuum in there. So that was the trick. Thanks for ruining what could your have childhood. been a perfectly great joke. Just ruined your childhood is what I did. No, not at all. Okay. Uh, Randy. Randy was played by a kid named Ian Petrella. Which one was Randy? Was that the kid That was that the younger him? brother. That was the Oh, that was the younger brother. Right, that was, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, he basically, most of his uh, acting credits, they're all kids. He just plays little kids in a lot of TV series. Even as an adult. Even as an adult. I don't think he, I, I think he quit acting after that and didn't see anything else on him, but uh, a bunch of TV series as a kid. Uh, Mrs. Shields, the, the teacher, teacher. Um, a bunch of stuff I didn't care about. And then one thing I thought I cared about until I realized what it was, but <laughs> okay, I know, uh, she was the CEO in RoboCop, except it wasn't RoboCop. It was RoboCop prime directives. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Nope. Nobody cares about that one. Just keep going. Four episode. Pretend, I didn't even know that existed. Pretend that that doesn't exist because that's what <laughs> all Robocop fans do. Yeah. I was I was very sad to find out that existed actually because I had never seen it. And then after looking into it a little bit, I was very sad that. It's awful. It, it was horrible. Um, Just, I mean, this is really an important conversation, but just to point this out here. If the name Robo, if it is a film or TV type uh, project with the name RoboCop on it, I have seen it. Yeah. And if it's anything after RoboCop Two, it's not worth watching. That includes the remake. Ouch. Just to let you guys know, and they're actually thinking about doing another. They're thinking now about doing a sequel, a direct sequel to RoboCop One, like they did with Halloween. Mm. Yeah, and there's a bunch of people online going. Well, if you don't put Peter Weller in the RoboCop suit, it's not worth doing. And I'm like, he's like 75. You yeah. do realize that. You don't put a 75-year-old man in the fucking RoboCop suit. Like, it's just, he almost Unless. died. He almost died in that suit in fucking 1987. Here's what I'm thinking. Unless you come up with actual cyborg technology and kill <laughs> and him. Peter Weller into an actual actually cyborg. turn him into RoboCop, and then sure. and then put him in the movie. Sure, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that that is a snuff film at that point, and mm. that's illegal. We don't have to film the transformation part, except for maybe possible interviews and things like that. But yeah, I, I think that could work. Peter, call me. We can make this work. Oh, Peter, wait. don't call him. <laughs> Um, Schwartz, the kid named Schwartz, played is, by somebody named R.D. Rob. Now, is Schwartz the guy that dared Flick to put his... Yes. T- okay. And, and he was... And Schwartz is also the guy that he blamed on hearing the word fuck from, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Schwartz is the one that got his ass beat. beat. Yes. <laughs> uh, he also played a kid named Roy and Matilda, which Matilda's an awesome movie too, by the way, but, um... And then he's uh, he made a small appearance in the Goldbergs apparently recently. Uh, speaking of the Goldbergs, Goldbergs based kind of on uh, the Wonder Years. Wonder Years 
took a lot of cues from this movie with the whole makes sense. adult voiceover, you know, narration, whatever. Uh, basically, the, the movie is Ralphie, but the narration is Ralphie as an adult talking about his childhood. So um, Wonder Years was the same deal. It was, you know, uh, Aunt Fred, whatever. Fred Savage. Fred Savage was playing a kid and Kevin, they had a voice there. Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. God, I can't remember his last name now. Yeah. Uh, the only last name you you need to remember is Cooper. Well, yeah, Winnie Cooper and Kevin. Oh, god damn it. If if Kevin and Winnie ever got married, Kevin should have taken her name. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> uh Scott. Scott Farkas is his name. I, I always thought it was Scott. Yeah. I always thought it was Scott. Until I, right. until I actually, what I've been doing since we started this podcast is actually, I always thought I read the credits, but I never did. I, I kind of browsed them, I guess. Right. Now I actually read the credits and I actually saw Scott Farkas and was like, what the fuck? I thought his name was Scott. So, Interesting. Anyway, Scott is played by a kid named Zach Ward. Yeah, he was um, in. He's been uh, in a shit ton of stuff, uh, TV series mostly, but some movies. Was he in the Postal movie? Mm. With um, the Uwe Boll Postal movie. I don't have that in here. I've got uh, him or not. I've got uh, through the eighties and nineties. He was in Jag. He was in Nash Bridges. He was in Sliders. Uh, in two thousand. He was in Almost Famous. Um, he was also in Outer Limits. Titus. Right. Which was pretty good. Uh, he played Dave in Titus. And then he was in Deadwood. And I don't remember him in Deadwood, but I watched the shit out of that TV show. So I'll have to go back and check it out again. Yeah, I never watched it, so. Fucking love it. You should watch it. Yeah. Zach Ward played the main character in in Postal. The new the new Postal. Mm, it came out in two thousand seven, so okay, it's like eleven years ago. But yeah, it had Mini Me in it, and it had uh, Dave Foley from New Kids or not New Kids on the Block. Jesus Christ, uh, Kids in the Hall. It was a slip of the tongue. Sacrilege. It was a slip of the tongue. I, will, I fucking know Kids in the Hall really well. I will help you lynch him if you want. Just call me. Uh, no, email us at stupendosaurusrex at gmail.com uh, or uh, leave your information in uh, in the comments section on YouTube. Also, uh, 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 J.K. Simmons, the guy who played uh, J. Jonah Jameson in the um, Ted Raimi, or not Ted Raimi, Sam Raimi. Uh, Jesus, I'm just having a hard day today. In the Sam Raimi Spider-Man uh, films, he was also in Postal. Right. A lot of people hate Postal, by the way. I think it's a hilarious film. I wonder if it's on my list. I don't know that I've seen it, so maybe you should add it. I should. Then our star, Peter Billingsley, uh, played Ralphie. Ralphie was also, he did a lot of uh, appearances in Little House in the Prairie. Wow. Who's, who's the Boss? Highway to Heaven. The Wonder Years, he appeared in one episode as some kid named Mickey Spiegel. 
Um, in Sherman Oaks, he was a kid named Billy Baker. I don't even know what that is. It, that was basically, he was basically a major child actor through his childhood after this. I could see why. But then afterwards, uh, he broke away from acting. He still does it on occasion. Mostly as a cameo or mostly like just to throw himself in. Uh, since since, he, since he's become an adult, he's mostly been involved in directing, producing, and was actually executive producer of Iron Man. Oh. Oh, and, yeah. and he actually has a bit cameo in there as well that nobody knows because they don't know what he looks like as an adult. But, yeah. but he appears in there. What I noticed while I was watching this film again is that there's a lot of stuff that I just don't remember about this movie, despite the fact that I have seen it as many times as I have. Okay. And it's I think it's because I wind up watching this movie in chunks. Like, I think I've seen this movie all the way through from beginning to end in one sitting, maybe three or four times. Most of the time, I have seen it in chunks. Um, probably an additional dozen times just spread out over right. vast amounts of... Of, of um, individual viewings because it's just one of those movies that just it just comes on TV all the time. Yeah, and, you, and catch, you just let it play. You catch fifteen minutes of it or so, and then you go on, and you kind of don't see like I don't. I did not remember how this movie began, and I did not remember how this movie ended while I was watching it. Like both of those things, like I was just kind of like they they just fell out of my fucking brain. In the beginning of the movie, the author of the book is doing the voiceover and he, I mean, he's technically talking about himself, but he calls the kid who plays himself as a young kid, the stupid round headed idiot with a hair, with an idiotic hat or something like that. <laughs> like, I know he's talking about the character, but like if you're Peter Billingsley, like what kind of an effect does that have on you? Well, like, I mean, that's why they cast him, though, because he had such a round face as right. a child. But so. they use that and turn to say, look at that dumb round head yeah. and that stupid hat that he's wearing or whatever. He actually became quite a handsome man as he got older, though. I'm sure he did. But, but, but yes. It doesn't, I'm sure that some of the most handsome men in history have stupid round heads. Not just stupid round heads. They have fucking complexes from fucking people saying weird shit about them when they were kids. So, what kind of a complex does this kid have? I think it makes you a nicer person. Maybe. I don't know anything about Peter Bell. He's like, he may be a mass murderer for all I know. So, um, I think he is a very wonderful man, and he should produce my next movie. Your next movie? You, you directed the one already? No. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, right off the top of the film, it's the 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 voiceover guy, the writer of the book, the author of the book, basically coming down on himself, which I I, I completely totally forgot about that. And then like that movie ends, it kind of has a weird ending. Like it ends with like his parents, you know, sitting at the Christmas tree and kind of having a little like a brief little intimate moment, and then yeah. it shows the kids laying in bed and they're both kind of asleep. And there's a little bit of a voiceover about him, I think, dreaming about his gun again. And that's how the movie ends. Yep. But, like, 
the endpoint and the beginning point are both kind of arbitrary. Like neither one of them feels like necessarily like they're not. The, Wait, it's the, not the strongest beginning well, I, and it's I, not I the think, strongest ending. I think that's the point though of the movie. It's not really a beginning because there was already a story before this, sure. and and you're kind of picking up in the middle of it. And then there's a story after, too, and you're just kind of leaving off. You know, like, that's how it feels. And I think that's part of the brilliance of this. Unfortunately, they did try some sequels to this and um, not good. Well, I just bring those up because the beginning and the end are actually fairly forgettable within the context of the scenes of the movie. Yes. Which seemed odd to me while I was watching it this time. Um, and that scene where Ralphie beats up Scut, that scene, like people who aren't in the, um, or who haven't worked in like the, the caregiver, uh, community will probably not be aware of this. And I don't even know, it may specifically be an Oregon thing. I don't know if anybody, any, any other states will do this, but within the state of Oregon, the, the whole sequence starting with, um, with Ralphie getting the C plus on his um, on his paper, yeah, and ending with um, him realizing that his dad is not going to kill him at the dinner table, that whole sequence is used in the um, in the training for the caregiver community of uh, like your your bell curve for having a crisis moment for how it starts with all of the things that lead up to the crisis moment, then him getting into the fight with Scott and beating the crap out of him and cussing. Yep. And then it coming down to the, to the returning back to his baseline. All of that still gets used for training in the, uh, in the DD community for right. people with developmental disabilities. Yeah. yeah. They, stuff. They, they use that as a, I wonder how much, I mean, that's, that's more money in theory for the theoretically. Yeah. That's so. that's interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, and and the other the other thing this movie was really good at was doing those cutaway dream se- sequences. Yeah, his his imagination, whatever, and, and that's that whole tire oh fuck soap scene led to my favorite cutaway dream sequence, which was where he was blind. Yeah, and soap poisoning scene. Soap poisoning it was so fucking hilarious because i don't know about you but i got soap a few times in my day so yeah i think i got soap once just once i i I definitely chewed on a couple bars of soap i think my mom probably did the same thing that ralphie's mom did and went oh no i'm not going to do that again my mom didn't give a shit the supplement uh for soap became pepper which when you're at a young age and your taste buds are just forming, pepper is like acid on your tongue. All right. But it did um, wind up turning into a, a small obsession with pepper for me. Like I always <laughs> go overboard when I put pepper on stuff now. Wow. I just acquired a taste for it. All so right. thanks, Pepper's Mom. Pepper's not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's throughout the film – up until the the fight scene with uh, Scott, with Scott, uh, they have those Benny Hill style chase scenes. Yes, where Scott and his friend are chasing Ralphie and his friends, and those always made me laugh. I mean, 
and it, it, because of the style of movie it is too, it works. But you know, they're on their way to school. They're on their way home from school. Scott and his boys are chasing them, and it's a little interlude. Yes, you know, it's basically from a filmmaking standpoint, it's basically a way to get from one scene to another. Yes, but it's also telling the story that there is going to be a confrontation between Scott yeah. and Ralphie eventually because it just keeps going on and on and on. And and then the the way they handled the cussing throughout this too yes. was just masterful. And I mean, a lot of that's got to be, you know, props it's for the old man. Simlish. They're basically speaking Simlish. I don't even know what that is. That's the language that the Sims speak in the Sims video games. Oh, yeah, it's that okay. gibberish tongue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do a great job with that. Yeah, no, the. Uh, and mostly it's the old man doing it. Ralphie says, oh, Ralphie fudge. does it. Well, Ralphie then, does it when he's, he's beating, up, the, he's when he's beating, beating up, up Scott. Yeah, yeah, when he's beating up Scott, he, he does it too. But for the most part, besides those scenes with Ralphie, for the most part, it's the old man. Yeah, every time he's trying to repair the... Yep, anything. <laughs> well, he's trying to repair the thing down in the basement all the, the time. The, the furnace. The furnace, yeah. He's working on the furnace, but even when he's changing the tire, he does it a little bit too. But I think that's how this has been able to last as long as it has as a family film is it it doesn't shy away from the adult themes per se no it 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 does the same thing that like um some uh more popular like i guess i don't want to say disney films like more like cartoons do where there is the basic layer that the kids can enjoy and yeah. then there's a layer on top for the adults yeah yeah. 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 This movie does the same thing. Yeah, this film does it well and possibly Stuff. possibly did it first. Mm, maybe, but maybe. there's some of the old Looney Tunes stuff has been That's true. Yeah, yeah. Looney Tunes have been Especially the racist Looney Tunes stuff. Um <laughs> but <laughs> but uh like the scene with Ralphie groping on the leg is definitely a scene for the adults. Like it happens in the background, it's not drawn attention to except that brief like her mom his mom yeah. slapping his hand away from it. Yeah. And telling him to go upstairs. But yeah, it's there's some definite adult stuff going on in this movie that you you don't catch yeah. so much as a I, child. I mean I I've seen so uh White Christmas is number one, apparently, as far as Christmas movies. So apparently means it's not your number one. You mean like as far as other but people it, As concerned. far as ratings go, whatever that I've seen online, White Christmas is the number one Christmas movie. Okay. Number two now is this one, A Christmas Story. That makes sense. White Christmas, I have watched, but I have not watched it near as much as I have this movie. And uh, I have never watched it. I'm not a Christmas movie guy in general. So. I, I like Christmas movie. I like Christmas music. So, you know, I I will and can and do. But I don't know. I This one's up there for me. I don't know if it's my number one, but it's up there. But uh, as far as the. You rating, don't know if it's your number one Christmas movie? Yes. Okay. But, well, I should hope that it isn't because we still have to do our Christmas movie next episode. Oh. Oh. So I would hope that your number one would be the next episode. I don't know what my number one is. Oh, okay. I there, There's too many. There's too many. I, I don't know about that either. Or there's not enough. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Christmas Story is 
fucking awesome. If you haven't seen it, I don't know where the fuck you've been living. Yeah. You should like get out and. This is one of the. Th- I, I should bring this up because I'm the guy who would bring this stuff up. Um, Christmas movie kind of. There is kind of a universal hatred for this film. Why? Christmas story. Because it gets overplayed. That's why. Because every fucking year, TBS fucking plays this thing for 24 hours. And it just. It. it it to, eats on people after a while. To the community who is bitching about this movie being overplayed, I would like to say you have more than one fucking channel. Change <laughs> the goddamn channel. Watch something else. It's true. To the but rest of us who actually enjoy this not, movie. You're not going to stop haters from hating, though. Oh, That's the thing. All right. Fine. But keep, go ahead to the people hating. who enjoy it. To the people, to the people who, enjoy. who enjoy it, fucking stream that shit. Fucking <laughs> have it running on your cable and then go into the next room. I know you have it on DVD too, motherfuckers. Like, pop that in. Play it on you, every goddamn you, channel. You don't need there. to be hostile to the people who enjoy it. Oh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> congratulations and let's do it more. You are good human beings. That's right. Um... I can understand the hatred for the film. I can understand the like overplayed aspect of the film. Um, I just don't understand why they couldn't change the channel. Well, it's it's the, a lot of these Christmas films fall under this fate. I, yeah, it, it gets played so much. That they do the same thing with Christmas music too, though. It ha- yeah, Christmas music, but it also happens with stuff like the Charlie Brown Christmas thing and the uh, Rud- the the Rankin Bass Rudolph and Re- Rudolph Threadnose Reindeer and like Frosty the Snowman like all of that stuff gets hate because it gets I mean not so much anymore because they don't get played as often anymore right. but when they were getting played all the time you would get those people that just are they're n- not necessarily Grinches but it just it happened like Scrooge never gets fucking played and so people always like people still love Scrooge you don't that's, that's a good one. Yeah, you don't you don't get the same sort of hate that people uh, attribute to these movies that are just super popular. So it's the it's just it's that sort of a thing. Anytime something hits the mainstream and hits it hard and becomes like a sensation, you are gonna get a larger population of haters that just don't want anything to do with it. And this movie falls under that that category. Well, so they should fuck off. I don't know if they necessarily need to fuck off, but they do need to. I mean, and it's opinions. So fuck their opinions. If you, it's it's the same thing with Bruce Willis saying that that Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie. That's an what opinion. We all know it is. Well, that's not a fact. Yeah. It's, it's an opinion. Yeah. It's not part of his Christmas regime, I guess, if you want to use that term. Yeah. So it's not a Christmas movie to him, but to most people, I would. I mean, that's well, making a, a yeah. big assumption, but Half. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> we'll say some of us. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a Christmas movie, yeah, and it's just a matter of an, of opinion. This is, I mean, one thing that you can't say opinion wise about a Christmas story. It is a very well made film. It is essentially a, a series of vignettes strung together to make a single story. With the like, there's a single through line going through, but it's basically a series of vignettes that lead from point A to point B. Um, scenes like the the fight with Scott and you know his individual little dream sequences and uh, the issue with his dad and the um, the leg uh, lamp uh, like all of these are like individual vignettes that kind of are sort of strung together to make a single 
larger which, story. Which is probably why they worked as short stories for the Playboy articles, too. Yes, because, it is exactly yeah. why it works for the Playboy yeah. articles. And it's also why this film works, because everybody has their own individual moments that have a beginning, middle, and end within, mm-hmm. the, within the course of the film itself. It's like having little mini-movies within the movie. Yeah. So my advice to the people who hate the movie is look for the story in the movie that it that appeals to that you. appeals to you and make that your favorite part of the movie and don't worry about the rest of it because you could you really could do that so and that's me trying to mend fences with haters <laughs> a thing that never fucking works so that's the christmas story yeah a christmas story a christmas story not the because there's probably more than one. In fact, because there's more than one, we're probably going to announce two more movies coming up that we're going to watch. We are. I'm curious as to whether or not I'm going to snipe your movie out from underneath I you. feel like you are, but... I might. There's two in my head that uh, that I think you might select. I and have one I have, of them. I'm... I have two replacements in case okay. you pick the one that I think that Good. you're going to pick. <laughs> so the one that I'm going to pick is, in my opinion, the greatest Christmas movie of all time that tells the greatest Christmas story of all time within the course of the film. And I don't mean like that's the point of the film. I mean there is a segment in the middle of the film where they actually tell a story that is the greatest Christmas story of all time. Okay. That movie is Gremlins. Oh, all right. That was up there. That was up there. Um, However... Uh, the one I was actually going to pick that I was scared you might pick okay. is a uh, Tim Burton production. I, that was the other one that I was thinking, okay. if it's what I'm thinking. Yeah, so Nightmare Before Christmas. Yep. Full on. Gremlins was up there, though. I, I full on thought about it. But I'm happy to introduce Nightmare Before Christmas in case people haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Because they fucking should. You know, I think that they're thinking about remaking Gremlins, too. I don't... I could be wrong about that. It might be Critters that they're thinking about remaking. I don't know how I feel about either one of those. Although, mm. Critters could be improved upon. Yes. I don't know if Gremlins I don't could. know if Gremlins could. Well, no. Gremlins was technically improved upon. But we'll get into that at a later episode. We will. Yes, we will. All right. So, next episode is Gremlins and the Nightmare Before Christmas, which that could be a pretty good episode. If this episode doesn't bring in the babes, the next one definitely will. Definitely. I feel like it <laughs> like probably won't either. But. Well, this has been Stupendous Horse Rex. No, it hasn't. It hasn't. What do we do? You have to go ahead and tell check them where us they can out. find us. Oh, yeah. Check us out on Twitter at Stupendosaurus underscore Rex. Stupendosaurus Rex. St- I don't. Stupendous underscore Rex because it didn't fit. Oh, right. So right, you had, right. yes. Check us out at Stupendous underscore Rex on Twitter. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, well, fuck. Just go to the website. Yes. It's the easiest way to do it. Stupendousaurusrex.com. Yep. All you of our links are there. All of it. Yep. You can download all of our episodes there if you want to. Hey, we're on like what? Uh, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play, and we are on iTunes. Okay. So you can go there and find our episodes if you want. 
I'm always scared I'm going to say Stitcher, but we're not on Stitcher, but we're, we're on, not we're, on the other We're one. not on Spotify. That's Spotify right. is the one we, we, we just can't get on. Assholes. Yes. Um, also, uh, I, I made an appeal last time. I need to make an appeal again. Uh, we need more subscribers on YouTube. Uh, this helps us know that our podcast is getting out there and uh, in people's ears. So if you have the, uh, the time, come and subscribe to us on, on uh, YouTube. It'll help us uh, get uh, noticed just on YouTube itself. Uh, if you want to leave comments, that always helps. Like our episodes, that helps a lot. Also, if you hate movies, check out The Incredibly Daring where we read books. Yeah, we do yeah. do that too. Yeah. That's something that we don't advertise enough on this. On either one. Way back in the late 70s and the early 80s and uh, actually kind of throughout the 90s too, uh, Jason and our friend Jill and I uh, did a podcast uh, where we where we uh, read Choose Your Own Adventure books to each other. Before podcasts even existed. Yes. Uh, I think we started when I was uh, one. You were two. Jill wasn't born yet. Um, that was the Cave of Time episode. Obviously. Yes. I mean, um, had to be. We had a lot of fun doing that episode, too. Although the book itself was pretty uh, iffy. Uh, we did have quite a bit of fun. You can find all of that stuff, our Incredibly Daring podcast, um, on our YouTube channel, which is Stupendosaurus Rex. You can find it on uh, stupendosaurusrex.com. So, yeah, if you're, not a, if you're not a big movie buff and you're more into books, especially if you were a child of the 80s and you grew up with these Choose Your Own Adventure books, you can find us there. We, we wind up being a little harder on the books than I think we should be. Yeah. I mean, because we're adults and we're reading children's books, we wind up coming down harder on these books than they kind of deserve. We That's, do love them, though. So. Yeah, and I'd probably read them again. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, that's, that's where we're at. Uh, any, anything you can do to help out, to, get, to help get us noticed, share us with your friends, uh, share us with your enemies, share us with Bruce Willis. Uh, we would appreciate it greatly. So... Hashtag full life. Oh. Hashtag what? I don't know. Edit that. <laughs> Cut that shit. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm too drunk. You're 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 I'm drunk now. You're ending the episode. Uh how do I end it? I forget. However you want to end okay. it. Okay. Uh I already did though. I said this is Stupendosaurus Rex and then you went off on a tangent, so I didn't go off on a tangent. We needed to tell no, them where I agree. to find our stuff. That's I not agree. a tangent. That's staying in I agree. But so you didn't end the episode. You need to end the episode I ended, now. I ended it, and then I mentioned none of this is getting edited. All right. <laughs> this is all going into the episode. All right. Well then, um, this has been Stupendosaurus Rex. Come back next time. Good night, people. <laughs>